Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cooled Podcast. Uh, it's owner stories. Another owner stories coming up. Uh, we're up to, what am I up to? Up to number 54. If you haven't been here before, uh, this is Tuesday's episode, and Tuesday's episode is where I, and I'm Michael Bath, if you don't know who I am already, um, chat to other Porsche owners around the world. Uh, it's a connection that we're sort of growing here on Porsche Cooled. Um, lots of owners. Guys like me, guys like you, uh, who just want to talk about their Porsche journey, who just want to talk about how they got into Porsche, uh, and and to help you guys also who haven't bought a Porsche yet. Um, and I've said this, I think, a couple of weeks ago. There's a lot of people who have told me, you know, they've put in a search for 996, or Porsche 996, or Porsche 997, and uh, the podcast came up. And this is when they were looking to buy, a, you know, their first Porsche, or their second Porsche, or maybe they had a Boxster and they wanted a 911, uh, and a lot of people told me how the podcast has really uh, really helped them clear their heads, so to speak. I'm not going to say force them to buy a, a Porsche. It's not my fault, um, but yeah, it's it's helped them. So it's always good hearing those stories. I love hearing them. So please keep uh, please keep sending me DMs and telling me those stories uh, if, if Porsche Cooled has sort of uh, helped you in that way. Instagram, I never mention it. Uh, there is an Instagram account for the, for the podcast and just for my love of Porsche, which is at Porsche Cooled. Uh, follow us there if you uh, if you haven't already, um, and that's where I also put up the uh, the posts for the each episode when it comes out, each owner's stories each Tuesday. Uh, I also have another Instagram if you want to go to that. I have two other Instagrams at Michael Bath and at P nine nine seven point one, which was primarily for my nine nine seven Carrera back in Sydney. Anyway, let's get back onto the owner stories uh, today. I've got Xander uh, coming in from Adelaide. I'm going to turn on the zoom very shortly all the owner stories are done through zoom uh xander is uh xander has a good story it's an interesting story and i'm going to let him introduce it i don't want to give it away in the beginning as i always say uh you'll see the car that he's got in the description it may sound familiar to you there's a connection here there's a couple of connections actually in xander's porsche story uh and connections back to porsche cooled back to Porsche Good, I should say, and back to um, other owner stories. So let me, uh, let me check Zoom's working. Let me get Xander on the line. Xander's coming in from Adelaide in Australia. And let's get Xander uh, talk about his Porsche Good owner story. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Uh, welcome back to owner stories. Little slight hiccup then. I didn't actually send Xander the invite for the for, the, for our chat this morning. Here I am waiting on the other end thinking, did I get the days wrong? I always get mixed up with the Adelaide time because it's the half an hour thing and I never really know where I am. Um, but anyway, let's welcome uh, Xander. Xander's uh, joined me now uh, from Adelaide. Good morning, Xander, or good after, good evening to you. How are you? Good. Thank you, Michael. Yourself? Very well. Very well. As I was just saying to you off recording before the listeners were in on the chat. I'm feeling a little bit ra- uh, ragged because I've just got in uh, late last night from Dubai, but I'm okay. I've really, um, I've really wanted to talk to you for, for some time, Xander, and I know that it took me a while to get back to you. Um, and the listeners will see the reasoning why, because I think, you know, out of, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, passion in the Porsche world. And I think you, and you know, after reading your story on, on a blog post, and which we'll talk about, I think you're one of those people, and I think that that story about about your uh, about your nine twelve, which we'll talk about and and talk about the relationship. I think it's a really um, it's just what Porsche is all about. You know what I mean? And I think that the listeners are really going to enjoy that part of it, and also your new car that you've just 
had delivered, which is in the title, so everyone knows what it is. Um, they probably don't know what the connection is yet, um, but we'll get into that anyway. But as you know, we always like to start the owner stories. Um, this is owner stories number 54 as well, for those who are listening. We always like to start the owner stories about where it all began. Um, everyone knows, for me, it started later in life. We all have priorities. You know, We don't always have the cash to, to buy what we want. We have the passion, but we don't have the funds. So how did it all start for you, Xander? Was it something that you started, was Porsche something you noticed when you were a kid? Uh, did you have friends or family that owned, owned, owned 911s or Porsches? Or what was it? Was it something that happened later in life? What are your first memories of, of Porsche and, and 911s? I think I'd really have to go back and really have a good think about when I first noticed Porsches. But as a kid, I had an interest in them. I don't quite know if it stemmed from a sort of being a glorified Herbie. I don't know if I was that little and was <laughs> okay. drawing a link. Yeah, drawing a link there. But uh, my dad was right into cars, uh, never fortunate enough to have the money um, or even anyone in the family to have Porsches, but went to a lot of motorsport events. And I think I probably started noticing them around the time of the Adelaide Grand Prix. So I was fortunate enough to go to every Adelaide Grand Prix bar one. Oh, okay. So I think I saw a lot of them then and then um, – Watching a lot of TV, like motorsport TV on the weekends, I definitely grew up in the era of watching Jim Richards and Peter Fitzgerald um, dueling it out in the 993 RSCSs and Fitzy in his 968 Club Sport. So that's when it really hit home that I needed to have one of those at some point. Yeah, it's that motorsport heritage in Australia, isn't it? So it's cup cars, it's all that, that, that history. Um, and Adelaide's a great place to – you were born in Adelaide? Born and bred in Adelaide, yes. Left it a few times, but keep coming back here and uh, happy to call it home. Yeah, and I said this to um, to Simon, who was on Owner Stories. Uh, I had to write this down to remember, 34. Um, and Simon's from Adelaide as well. And I, I always I said to him the same thing. You know, Adelaide's got this really strong, seems to have this strong car culture, this passion, you know, a lot of really great specialists, uh, you know, people that – you know, that you would send your Porsche to, that people in, you know, in Sydney that are actually getting their Porsches redone in, in places in Adelaide. Um, yep. Is that stem from, do you think that does stem from the fact that, like you said, for you, it's about the Grand Prix being there and the Formula One. Is that what it's from and, and that and the other sort of, uh, you know, other history? What is that where it comes from? I think there's a little bit of that. Um, as you said, Adelaide's had some, fan, well, still has fantastic cars and has always had a little bit of a car culture. And um, I think cost of living wise, the Grand Prix, uh, Malala being here, I think a lot of people have based themselves here. And there's, you know, second generation operators now. So I think that's sort of where it stemmed from and why they're still here. So you've got that, you've, you know, you're noticing the Porsches, you know, you know what they are. What happens along the way before you get your first one? What happens in your car journey? What are the memorable cars that, that lead you to the Porsches that you've owned? Um, that's a good story. So when I left school, um, I was doing uni and working full-time in an uh, admin internship, and I decided that you know now I was earning some money, it was time to buy a car. And I made all these what I thought were smart decisions at the time and you know bought this, bought that, um, pretty much lost money on everything I bought or you know the old champagne taste on a beer budget <laughs> and eventually ended up 
uh, purchasing a genuine Fiat Arbath uh, 850TC, a car that had raced at Goodwood, um, okay. had a fantastic history. Unfortunately, through exchange rates and a lot of other things, I had enough money to pay for the car, but never really enough money to actually get it shipped out from the UK to Australia. So um, at that point, I probably could have bought a local Porsche for similar money, but I had this ambition to go historic racing in an Arbath um, out of all things because I just thought they were cool. And hadn't really considered, you know, probably should have thought about buying a Porsche then. So had the Arbath, chopped out the Arbath, um, luckily getting my money back on that. Uh, went through a few Japanese imports, which was very much the the rage at the time, sort of in the late 90s, early 2000s. A little bit of peer pressure from my friends, or oh, you wouldn't buy one of those. Um, yes. Did, had a lot of fun with it. Um Went through that and then got back into European cars again, a couple of BMW 2002s. Um, and about that time, I, um, I'd also travelled to Europe and, of course, went to the Porsche, the old Porsche Museum before they built the new one. And, right. you know, still in the back of my mind, got to get myself a Porsche one of these days. Um, joined the Air Force at about 25. Okay. So left home, yep, joined the Air Force Um did a few years within Australia, a couple of trips overseas, a long stint in the Middle East. And All after right. I came back from that, yeah, it was whereabouts, time to... Whereabouts in the Middle East? Um, I was in the UAE. So oh, okay. supporting the, um, yeah, supporting the troops in Afghanistan. So, oh, great. Yeah. So there you go. That was a uh, an eye-opener. remember the first night we um, went did an R&R run and went to the Mall of Emirates and walked out and there's a limited edition Bugatti Veyron just... <laughs> Parked it's, out the front. <laughs> it's funny you say that because that's where I was staying. I was actually staying yep. at the Mall of the Emirates in the hotel in the Mall of the Emirates above the Mall of Emirates just just yesterday. Um, and the cars, you know, I I've, I saw I didn't see any Bugattis, but I saw a few Porsches and a few Ferraris hanging around. That's for sure. Um, but it, it's there's a lot of great cars in the Middle East. But I just want to go back. So you had the. So you've had a BMW because I saw the BMW on your on your Instagram, and I'm just going to tell what yep. the tell the listeners now what your Instagram is so they can follow along when they're listening. Sure. Um, the Instagram is is Xander's Instagram is at boys underscore own underscore garage. We'll get into that in a minute. What boys own garage is so that's at boys underscore own garage. So just to the listeners, just have a look while we're talking because I did see a two double two on there. Is that the one you owned? No, that was a friend's that uh, he wanted to chop out and get a Porsche. So I was trying okay. to help him out. <laughs> okay. All right. So you, the Abath, you've had uh, Japanese imports, which I'm guessing some of them you wish you would have kept today because the prices have just gone insane, right? Yeah. Interestingly, they're worth now what I paid for them back in the early 2000s. So they've come full circle. <laughs> yeah, full circle. Um, and then the... Uh, BMWs, which a lot of uh, people on owner stories have had BMWs, whether it be 2002s or, you know, uh, M- early M5s or early M3s or even modern M3s. So there's a connection with BMW and Porsche. Obviously, we go into the German cars. So you had the 2002. What happened after the what happened after the BMWs? What was the other the other cars to follow? So after joining the Air Force, um, having a car whilst being away from home, having someone to work on it, store it, drive it, it it sort of didn't happen. So I went for a bit of a period with no cars um, other than just daily driver, uh, which was still interesting because it was a BMW E30 Touring. So they were never sold in Australia. So yeah, tracked down one of those and had that for a bit. Um, 
But yeah, fast forward after the stint in the Middle East and being back in Australia, I thought it was time to start start looking for a car. And for anyone who read that blog story, um, you'll see along the journey, my then partner at the time wasn't interested in me spending any money on having a car. And then when that relationship uh, dissolved, uh, I went out within the same week and bought the uh, 912, but I then spent the next seven years restoring. Okay, let's come back to that because a lot of listeners won't know what we're talking about. Um, so yep. on 911culture.com, um, there's an article about Xander's 912. Um, but I want to get into the 912 now. So let's just go straight into that because I think it's a good story and then we'll lead on to the next one. Um, sure. 9-11 culture is, uh, what is it? Uh, 9-11 culture, K-U-H-L-T-U-R-E.com. If you just do a search there for Tangerine Dream, uh, you'll see um, Xander's X 912 there. Um, his labor of love, as he called it. Um, so check that out. So let's start that, Xander. So you come back from the Middle East, you've been in the Air Force, You've got some extra cash in your pocket and you think, okay, this is it. Yep. I'm, I'm now going to get this Porsche that I've been thinking about. Um, so in your mind, though, do you think, okay, I want to get something that is cheap, that I can restore, that I can make my own, or do you want to get something that's a little bit more sorted? What was your first thoughts when you started looking? Uh, that's a good question. So at the time when I bought that, I remember – there was a Mexico blue sort of mid-year car with some gold BBS on it, okay. 2.7, and that was about 30 grand, I think, from memory. And I thought, that's not too bad. I could, you know, get in that and drive it. But I wasn't a huge fan of the impact bumper cars. I never sort of had been. To me, they were, you know, I didn't like the piano accordions, and they just yep. they didn't have a massive amount of appeal um, as they were. And then when this uh, 912 came up, because it was originally advertised as a 911, so the ad sort of said, you know, converted from left to right-hand drive, 66, so I knew it was an early car, you know, yeah. in a short wheelbase, a uh, lot of work done, needed paint, needed a dash trim, needed a gearbox and a windscreen was pretty much how it was advertised. And I went, well, that's not too bad. Like paint <laughs> I can, you know, paint I can sort out. That's not That's not." A huge problem. Gearbox was only a few grand at the time. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I reckon I'd get this because um, it's already converted. It doesn't really matter if I pick a, you know, the non-matching numbers color. I can put a few little tweaks on it. It'll be a little bit of fun, you know, a little bit of a sports purpose sort of car. And um, yeah, you know, the seller sounded like a pretty good guy, and I could see the uh, invoices and the receipts. So I grabbed it thinking this won't be too bad, you know, into paint, throw okay. the box in and we'll be, yeah, we'll be trucking along. <laughs> so how long ago was that, Xander? How, how many years that ago did you see that car? been 2012 or 2013, I reckon. Okay, so quite a while 2012. ago. 2012, yeah. So this was, a, this was a local car, right? It was a local car. Correct. It was 15 minutes up the road from my mum and dad's house. Okay, so what color was it originally when you saw it? Uh, so it was in Primer when I saw it. Um, it left the factory as a Polo Red car. Polo Red. And it's – okay, so you you see this car. It's advertised as a 911. Um, I think a while ago people used to advertise 912s as 911s, didn't they? Because I think it's just got more search results. Is that what yeah, happened? Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe even car sales might not have been set up for 912 at the time or something crazy like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you find this car. You go and have a look at it. Um, it's a converted car. 
Did it bother you that it was a converted car? Because I know some people like them when they're just still left-hand drive. Did it did it bother you with the conversion, or you you it, weren't that fussed because you're going to do a lot of work on this anyway? Yeah, it didn't bother me because uh, I guess at the time the price was right. Um, left-hand drive cars in Adelaide at the time couldn't be modified and be on historic or conditional registration, so I knew that it was probably good that it was converted. Okay. So that way, I wasn't going to run into any troubles with any of the you know added bits and pieces. Okay. So when you go to buy a car like that, so you go and look at the car, um, you make the connection with the, the previous owner. What sort of things are important to you that when you were buying this car? Um, it's your first Porsche. It's your first, you know, it's, your, it's the first 912. You're into the, you know, you, you, you're chasing the dream there. What are the things that you look at and think, okay, I can, I can be okay with this? Or do you think I've got so many years to fix this, to make it perfect, it doesn't really matter? Um, I've probably got two answers for that. One is don't do what I did at the time. Um, I've certainly <laughs> learned a lot over the journey. Uh, I guess at the time I applied the usual due diligence to it, you know, could I see what had been done? Uh, you know, was there any trouble spots? So all of that looked good. The conversion looked good. There was no rust that was straight. You know, had import approval paperwork. Um, and that was one of the things I rang up about before I bought the car just to make sure that there was no problems. Um, the Department of Transport in South Australia had it on their file. So I wasn't going to run into any problems okay. apparently buying the car and having it registered. So, yeah, I think my heart took over and went, you know, you're in a pretty bad place uh, in terms of you've just come out of this relationship. You've always wanted a Porsche. Um, as my mate said when we were driving home, we're driving through an intersection. He said someone could drive through right now, T-bonus, and that could be it. So <laughs> if you want to do it, nice do thought. it. <laughs> yep. So, uh, true, yeah, true, I true. bought it. Definitely so you bought, bought it with the heart, not the head. Yep. Okay, so you buy it. You've got the 912. You take it yep. home. What's the first, yep. how do you start the planning? Um, what happens? <laughs> what what happens? What do you think, okay, I've got to do this first? Do you work it out as in a sequence or you just do the things you can afford first? How does it all work out? Uh, you basically hit the nail on the head. So I think I was still homeless at the time. I'd signed a <laughs> lease, but I hadn't moved in yet. So the car went to a friend's place. Uh, right. We stripped off all the, like the bumpers and all the chrome work and bits and pieces on a Sunday Arvo. By Monday morning, he'd rung his painter and organized the time for us to get the car in on Tuesday. So okay. on the Tuesday, it's off on a tilt tray to the paint shop. I think by Wednesday, I decided on tangerine. Originally, I was very keen on slate gray, um, which is a fantastic color on them. But as everyone said, it's a bit boring. Like, it, you know, you've got a mid-60s car. It really should stand out instead of being subtle. So yeah. tangerine won. And, um, yeah, by the, I think okay. the following week, it had its first coat of paint on it. So, yeah, while the paint is doing that, I'm starting to work out what my budget is for the rest of the year and the priority of, you know, what bits do I want done at a shop versus what was I going to source and do myself. So engine-wise and stuff like that, was the car reasonably sorted at the time or not? So the engine came with the car, but not in the car. And the, what I got told at the time was it was a rebuilt 2.7, but been built by a good shop in Adelaide, and it hadn't been used since it'd been rebuilt. Okay. So I had every faith that it was good to go, yeah. Oh, that's good. So the car was basically in, the, in this is why you went straight to the paint shop, right? Because it's in primer, there's no engine. So the, the easiest yep. thing to do in a way was just to get it painted first, right? 
that was why Correct. you went with that. And what about the interior? The interior was stripped or the interior was actually in the car? So the interior was stripped, uh, but it had already been redone other than the dash. So it had new door cards, um, back seats had been retrimmed, and it had a pair of Recaros that had been retrimmed for the front. Okay. So all it needed was um, carpets, uh, hood lining to be installed, and dash to be retrimmed. And you had specialists in Adelaide do that for you? Yes. Yep. All and right. Straight so into a group of people I already had ready to go. Yeah. So condense condense the, the, the process down to, you know, a few minutes or five minutes. How? Because yep. it was a long journey here, right? You had a long journey it with was. this car. So what were the changes you made along the way? So you've, you've gone straight into the paint shop. You've picked a great color. I mean, I like slate gray in the 912, and you know I'm a 912 fan. Slate gray is a great color. But the orange is just, you know, it's just really well sorted in that. I mean, it's got such a great, great look. And the way you set the car up as well, it just looks beautiful. Um so what do you do next? What are the major things? What are the hurdles that you, you encountered along the way? For the listeners who are thinking about buying a, an old 912 or an old 911 and starting the process, what were the, the hurdles that you, you came across? Uh, so other than the usual time and money, it, sometimes I had lots of time and no money. Other times I had all the money in the world but no time because I was either in a different country or different state. So yeah. those were probably the limiting factors. Um, I guess because I'd never taken the car apart, it was hard to work out what was there or what wasn't there, uh, how some of the stuff would go back together, and then being happy with the condition of parts. So it's got all this beautiful fresh paint and it's got this nicely patinaed chrome work and everyone's like, you really can't put some of those bits of chrome back on that car. So, you know, things you don't budget for. Uh, you go and get some chrome redone and anyone who's done that will soon find out that's not cheap. So, you know, you're walking away with a $1,500 to $2,000 bill for for re-chroming and then you start going down the, uh, I'll do the rubbers as well. So yeah. basically you you need to project manage it like you would anything else. You start at one end of the car and work your way through it. You know, what parts don't I have or what parts need replacing uh, can I group buy them from a particular place to to save on freight? Uh, mm-hmm. Who does the better quality seal? So some seals you can get away with aftermarket, where other ones you need to use genuine Porsche or the fit just doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, so there was a bit of that. Um, and probably not knowing enough about the car. So I was fortunate enough that through swapping or selling bits and pieces that I didn't need or buying stuff off other people, I started meeting a lot of the really good people in the Porsche community would come and give me, you know, an hour of their time and have a look at the car or show me their car or give me parts manuals and just start going through and going, oh, that's how that, you know, door frame goes back together. Okay. Oh, I don't have that bit. And then, yeah, you know, the hunt for the bit would happen and, yeah, and then so double what, your budget. <laughs> double your budget, old, I was going to say. Is that what happened? Your budget, yeah. yeah. Um, I never really had a budget, I guess, which was probably a bit of a downfall. Um and, you know, remember that if you're going to build a 912 or a 911S from the same year, you're basically going to spend the same amount on parts to an extent. So if you're going to spend a lot of money on a car, um, it's probably better to start with something you can potentially recoup it on. Okay. So is that – that's actually a good point, actually, because I've been thinking about that as well. Just – and, I, you know, I know that they're really hard to come by. But if you can get a very old, rusted 911 that – 
Beverly Hills Car Club or you see one on one of those European <laughs> sites, right, that is that has got no flaws. I saw something advertised the other day that had no flaws in the car at all. Um, and then there yep. was an old 912 that I just saw advertised, an Irish green one um, that I was talking to, I think, Ajmal, a flat cap driver about. Um, and that was completely, I think it was like 15,000 euro or something. It was very cheap. Um, yep. Do you think that that's... If you can find a 911, like what you said, the parts for a 912 and the parts for a 911 are pretty much the same. So would you, Correct. looking back on it now as a starting point, if you could get a cheap rusted old 911 that you could fix up, would you go that way? Or you think the 912 is still a good play, a good starting point? Now you probably want to get the, the best car you can. Um, I probably should have bought with my head and not my heart and – looked around and seen what else I could get within the price range or even increase the price range slightly. Um, but I guess the beauty, if you're going to modify a car or you're going to keep it and you don't really care, then start with whatever you can find that's a good base. So, you know, a 9112, it's got an immaculate body uh, but you don't necessarily like the colour and it's got no engine, is probably a better starting point if you want a little bit of a, you know, an outlaw hot rod, type car that you may potentially keep or you're not worried about the the end point in terms of dollar value than buying a pristine matching uh, sorry buying a matching numbers s that's a bucket and needs a lot of money thrown at it yeah i mean the s will always win out but yeah yeah, yeah of course it's up, it's, yeah it's what you want to do but you said you double your budget right so but how long did this journey take from the beginning to the end of getting this car to where you wanted it to be was it six years yeah, it was almost seven in the end. So when you break it down, it probably wasn't too bad. It's not like um, it was built in a year. If you built yeah. in a year and spent that money on it, you'd be yeah. either lucky or crazy. <laughs> That's what I was going to um, say. At least it's stretched yeah. out, right? I know you spent the same Correct. amount of money at the end, but if it's spread out, it feels yeah. like it's less, doesn't it, to all of us? It That's does. It. It's how we and justify And the values it. were going up as well. So it was almost, um, yeah, it almost made it worthwhile in terms of, you know, if it had been, if I'd bought it for 20, you know, spent 80 on it and then it was still worth 60 or 40, it would have been crazy. But, you know, yeah. sort of bought it for 20, spent over 80 on it and then it's sort of, it's worth 80 plus. So, yeah. So you got your money out. back in the end. But that wasn't, but let's just go Close back. To, yeah. Yeah. Before we jump forward and, and, and talk about the connection of this car. When you started this process, right, it wasn't about the money, right? It was about having the car that, that you that you wanted. Correct. Money was not a consideration in terms of, um, yeah, it was never built to sell or to, you know, be a super fund um, down the track. It was just to build a car I always wanted. So when you started this process, it wasn't a car you were thinking of selling, though, was it? It was a car that you, no. you thought, I'm going to keep this car. I'm not going to... It's potentially a forever car, yes. Forever car, yeah. And I always like these stories where it's a forever car and you put so much love into it, you put so much work into it. I mean, like I said, people just have to look at your, at look at 9-11 Culture's article or look at your Instagram and see the photos of it. You can see that, you know, you've been very particular on the way you do it. Now, when you were doing that car, uh, I've lost my train of thought, um, Boy's Own Garage. Was Boy's Own Garage around when you started that or was that something that you started during that process? Because I, I saw on your Instagram that you have, you know, you, you do Porsche parts and stuff. Was that something you started in the middle of the process of fixing the 912 or was it something that was already there? Uh, no, it was something I started uh, probably about 18 months into it and it was sort of a bit of a rebrand of an idea I had um, very early 
uh, post-school where when we were playing around with another Arbath, we had some other people would want some bits and pieces. And this was sort of pre-internet days and not everyone had, you know, contacts in Europe and all that. So someone would be like, oh, if you're buying, you know, a particular part for yours, can you get me one? So I'd do that. And then we'd either split the cost of the shipping or they'd wear the shipping and, you know, I was getting my part, you know, free shipping. Or then the supplier would be like, oh, if you buy four of them, I can knock 10% off. Okay. So it was never really, um, you know, a business to to make money. It was more of a business to do group buys, I guess, before forums existed and became okay. a thing. And, yeah, it's sort of… So what is it now, Sander? What has Boys Own Garage morphed into now? Is it more than that? But it's still sort of that. It's um, and I don't want to use the term. It's a bit of a lifestyle thing because it's, <laughs> it's, it's so cliched now. It's but it was a name. Curated. Yeah, it was sort of a name just to to put on my Instagram account and to capture the automotive stuff I was doing. Uh, you know, I had so much stuff I'd bought over the years, and as tastes would change or storage would run out, I needed a bit of a platform to sell it. Um, I got sick of seeing beautiful cars with terrible steering wheels in. So I'm very much a, (laughs) I'm not a purist. I'm more of a period correct sort of person. So yeah, nothing would infuriate me more than a cheap steering wheel in a, you know, $100,000 build. So I started sourcing vintage steering wheels and yeah, just trying to help people that aren't necessarily the whole way there with their thinking or their suppliers. And yeah, it's some. Um, so if someone comes to you, sorry, Zander, someone comes to you and okay. they say, I want this part for my 911T or my 911S yep. and I can't find it. Do you have someone yep. that you think could have it? Is that kind of how it works? It's like a, it's almost yeah, like correct. a community business in a way. You're helping the community. It's like searching out things that people that are new to the brand don't, don't know where to find it, you know what I mean? Or don't know what is the best one. Like what steering wheel shall I get? Shall I get, you know, this Momo or this Momo? Which one am I buying? You know what I mean? Yep. So there's definitely that side of it. Um, there's countless times when I've, you know, someone's wanted something it's hard to get and I've put them directly in touch with someone who can help them. Um, you know, I'm not in it to – it's not a money-making exercise, so there's no point me buying something for someone else and then on selling it if they can yeah. buy direct – Things like steering wheels, yep, I definitely deal in those. Um, but, yeah, for some of the other bits, it's easier just to, to you know, put people I know in contact with my contacts. Fantastic. But yeah, occasionally I'll hunt down special stuff like the 911R uh, indicators for a good one who's being a project in Queensland. I had, a, I had some of those stashed away for a, you know, potential future project. So, yeah, passed them on oh, to great. him. Fantastic. All right, so Forever Car. A forever car that you have yes. sold, and this is where the, yep. I just wanted to tell the <laughs> listeners the connection here. You sold it to someone else who's been on Owner Stories, and I'll let you tell the story, but I'll just say who it was. It was Stephen from Sydney, uh, Owner Stories number 38, and Stephen's got the, nine, the 1966 912 Hot Rod X Sanders car, X Boys Own Garage. So if you haven't heard that Owner Story, you should listen to that one as well after this. So what was the decision? Because I... I'm guessing it wasn't an easy decision to say, okay, I, I'm going to let this go. No, it wasn't. Um, obviously, when a project takes, you know, six or seven years, you get itchy feet at times. You either just want it finished or you just want it gone. And when I'd almost finished it, I, um, I'd i missed out on a GT3, unfortunately. It had a really good history to it. It was an ex-Nations Cup car. 
It had done some club uh, level racing. It had a relatively big crash, but it had been fixed well. So it was priced sort of accordingly. But because my car wasn't finished at the time, I couldn't jump out of it and into that. I wasn't in the position financially to have the two of them. So I sort of parked that idea for a bit. Um, and obviously, since I started building the car, you know, got married and I've got two young kids. So I really wasn't having the time to use the car like I wanted to, you know, trying to just wake up on a Saturday or Sunday morning and sneak out of the house just wasn't happening um, <laughs> yes. like I wanted it to. So I, you know, managed to enjoy the car a little bit, taking a few friends for a drive and it had some, you know, nice memorable drives in it. And um, then I had a bit of an issue. It made a noise that I thought was gearbox related and I'm like, mm, that's interesting. So I took it into a different specialist just to get a fresh set of eyes over it. And they said, yeah, yeah, we're not too worried about the gearbox noise. You know, we think we know what it is. Um, but do you realize it's pulled some head studs? Right. And I went, oh, great. You know, the typical 2.7 story. Um, yes. Yep. So I was like, where am I at with this? You know, do I take it off the road again? Do I go through the whole process of an engine rebuild? Because at some point I was like, oh, it'd be great to build a hot engine pretty much like you know, Stephen's building for it now. I sort of wasn't at the point where I wanted to do that just yet and I didn't really want it off the road and it was a real conundrum and I was just like, I'm sort of over this at the moment. Um, and I thought, what are GT3s like at the moment? And I noticed the price had snuck up another sort of 30, 40 grand from when I'd last looked and yeah. I casually mentioned to someone that I was looking for a GT3 and they said, look, I've got a good friend who's got my old car. It's not for sale, but they will sell it. So I had a chat to him and it sounded like we'd put a deal together um, with no time frame, which worked out well because obviously I needed to find some extra funds for the difference. And um, I'm like, all right, cool. Well, let's see if I can sell my car and then I can jump into a GT3. So the thinking behind a GT3 was they're a rare car. Um, I'm 40 now, GT3 is a bit younger. If I'm going to have a forever car, buying a GT3 that's almost 20 years old, if I keep it for another 20 years, it'll be 40 years. That makes sense. So um, when you're looking for the GT3 though, because the listeners yep. have seen the title, right? So you, you started looking for a GT3 road car, right? Or you started Correct. looking you started looking for a road car. And as you said, yep. prices in Australia have gone crazy. 996 prices yep. with everyone, a lot of the Australian listeners have seen the one at Classic Throttle Shop recently that was 290000 or whatever it was. Yep. Um, which I think is sold, hasn't it? Is that gone? I think it, it, it has. Yeah, that. it was 289 Speed <laughs> Yellow Series 1. Yep. <laughs> 289, which is about 300K once you pay the stamp duty, I think, pretty close to it, right? Yep. Um, so the prices have gone crazy. Um, so you, let's just go back to the 912. So the 912 has got an engine issue to yep. move forward with the 912. You'd either have to rebuild the engine or swap out the engine. Correct. Correct. So correct. the cost of doing that, you've already invested a lot of time, a lot of money. Um, you've got that memory of those cup cars and GT threes from your childhood. Yep. Is that the deciding factor? Is it the deciding factor that, you know, I've, I put so much money into this. I can't see how I'm going to come out of it clean if I if I put more money into the 912? Even though 912 values probably since you sold it have jumped up again, right? They've actually gone yep. quite crazy. How did I you... Putting, Sorry, go ahead. Putting the extra money into it wasn't, um, wasn't so much of the issue. I think it was the time of not having the car to enjoy. Um, 
I think I've just, yeah, I think I was just in a headspace where I'm like, I'm, I need a break from this. Um, you know, if I could click my fingers and have it fixed within a week, it probably would have stayed. But I just didn't want the rigmarole of, you know, running around, chasing more parts for it, not having it to enjoy for, you know, another six plus months after I'd already waited so long. Yep. Um, so, yeah, made the decision, right, I'm going to put it up for sale and I'm going to see what happens. Um, and, of course, a million and one people, because I advertised it with the option of, uh, you know, re a fresh rebuilt engine because I was going to potentially go down that path anyway or sold as is if someone wanted to grab a project and then put their own touch on the mechanical side of it, um, okay. which I knew people wanted to do. Which is what Stephen's doing, isn't it? He bought it with... Correct. As it was, and he's getting it rebuilt. I forget the place in Adelaide, Xander, that he's getting it done at. Uh, Jam Motorsport. So uh, their engine builder came from one of the uh, long-established workshops in Adelaide. Yeah. Okay. So the 912 is gone. I guess you're, yep. you're feeling a little bit, you know, lost without it. You said you looked at a GT3. That GT3 didn't come through. Yeah. So you sold the 912 in 2020? Uh, and I started this year, so we're about March this year. March this year, sorry, I'm getting my timing yep. up. So you sold it March this year, and then you start looking for your GT3. So you've got the cash from the sale of the 912. Um, yep. What do you start looking for then? Do you start looking at the 996s and 997s, or you just you, you like the idea of a 996 better? What? Yeah, no, it then? had to be it had to be a 996, preferably a point one. Um, preference would have been uh, probably speed yellow or uh, a Carrera white. Um, and the only one that came up was the one that uh, was sort of, you know, was mine if I wanted it sort of thing. Um, the deal was looking good in terms of there was a fairly fluid timeline on it, uh, which would have given me enough time to yeah get the extra money together. And then sort of without notice, the owner rang me and went, so where are we at with the car? And I said, oh, you know, I'm still still intending to buy it as per we've agreed. And he's like, well, cool. I sort of want some money ASAP and I want the car gone in, I think it was about a month, like okay. a 30-day period. And I couldn't commit at that time to those timelines. And I just sort of said to him, look, as much as I'd really love it, if you've got someone else who's after it, um, noting your situation, just, yeah, I'll just miss out. And uh, interestingly, that fell through, and uh, I had the opportunity again to rebuy the car, but it had gone up quite substantially in value and had a number of bits taken off it. So I was even less excited by the deal. Right. This is when the prices so are then, on the rise. Yeah, a few months yeah. ago, I guess. Yeah. Yep. So then I ended up in this state of what am I going to do, and you know, started looking at going the opposite way and just getting a boxster for some cheap fun and thought, oh, I really do like 968s um, because that was one of the first Porsches I ever went in but right. couldn't find a good club sport around. Uh, and they're expensive too. Club sports are and expensive. And they're expensive, yeah. Yeah, they're great looking um, car. Very cool cars. And then that was the whole, they're not a four-cylinder. Oh, sorry, they're a four-cylinder, not that flat six. Drove a standard uh, 996 Carrera. Yep. Didn't mind it. Um, but then it was the whole, it's not really a Mezca. And then they're, yep. they're expensive for what they are. So, yeah, I kept going round and round and round. And I talked to James and Simon countless times about their cup cars and owning okay. them and running them. Let me just pause you and, there. Let me just yep, pause you there for, for the listeners. So 
I just want to go back to one thing you just said. So were you looking for a project car then or are you looking for something that's more sorted when you started looking for I was this? looking for something I was looking for something that was probably a good base to do some of my own touches on uh, to the point where I'd actually bought a set of 996 GT3 seats and a couple of sets of wheels. <laughs> okay, you've already started the process. <laughs> yep, I've already started the <laughs> okay. process. Um, but yeah, I wanted something that was a going concern so that um, – in terms of modifications, it would be, you know, bolt-on or one-day modifications, something you could do in a day, yeah. Yeah, not, not a six-year, seven-year project again Correct. like the last one. Yeah. Um, and just when you get – I'll let you tell the story about uh, Simon and James. But Simon, uh, yep. for the listeners, if they don't remember, is uh, owner stories number 34, uh, Nut 9 I think, on Instagram. And Simon also lives in Adelaide, right? And he has the 03 GT3, GT3 Cup car. And he has a 996.2 GT3. He has GT2 GT3s. He has the road and the track one, which is a pretty great garage. It um, is pretty good. And James at Porsche Platts. Everyone knows James. James has been on the podcast before. He'll he'll come on the podcast again in the future and chat. Um, and James um, has RSR Classics and he finds cars for people. But he had, I think James has got a white GT3 now and he's also had the Fitzgerald racing car, which he no longer has. So how did it all start? So you started talking to to Simon and James, probably not great people to talk to because they're going to talk you up into something else. So how, how yeah. did that start, Zander? What happened? Um, so, yeah, I'd actually spoken to James previously about the cup car because at one point I thought, oh, maybe I'll just get a cup car, you know, noting how little time I've got to actually use it. I thought oh, a couple of events in a, a year in a cup car will be fun. Um, and, again, there wasn't really any for sale, so I sort of parked that idea and – I've been talking to Simon and ran into him at a track day and again, saw the car and heard the car and went, oh man, these things are good. Um, I toyed with the idea in the early 2000s of trying to put a team together to put a pay driver in a car with the view of if you ran the car for three years and nothing went wrong, you could potentially end up with a free car at the end of it. Right. Um, so sort of wish I'd done that, but never did. Right. And uh, yeah, I noticed that James's. James put the uh, Fitzy car up and sort of spoke to him about it. You know, what do you need to run these things? What are they like? And uh, he just said straight up, look, they're not that bad. Um, if you haven't really raced a car before, you'll still be able to jump into something like this and have fun. Um, it's not a bad starting point. So I hummed and hard and hummed and hard. And lots of people kept sending it to me going, you should buy this. And I'm like, no, no, no. And then in a moment of weakness or clarity, um, depends on who you talk to, I flicked James a message and went, hey, James, if I gave you this and this, could I buy the car? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> so tell, tell the listeners what this car is. And like I said, it was on a, few, a previous owner stories. I don't remember the number of what James was, actually. I, can't, I, didn't, I didn't write it down. I can't remember at the moment. Um, James at Porsche. So, so tell the listeners what you bought. Um, and as you said to me via Instagram, it was sight unseen, um, Correct. sight unseen. So you're trusting the seller, you're trusting James, yep. he's a good guy. So, you know, that's all good, but just, just talk, just tell the listeners the process and what you actually bought. And, uh, just in case they haven't listened to that owner's story. Yeah. So it's the 2003, uh, 996 GT3 cup car that Peter Fitzgerald ran in 03, 04, and 05. Uh, so predominantly a yellow car, had varying sponsorship 
ships over Peter's time with it, and it's currently in its 04 livery, so number three, which is the spot he finished in the 03 championship, and Enyo sponsorship. So as I said to someone the other day, it's the most expensive cleaning product I've ever bought that my wife will refuse to use. <laughs> All right, so it's a big decision buying a cup car because as you said, you know, it's, it's something that you only get to use a few times a year, right? You don't, it's not a yep. daily driver. It's not something you wake up on the Sunday morning, you go, okay, I'm going to take my cup car out around the Adelaide Hills. How do you justify a car like that? Tell me how the, what the process was when you were thinking about, okay, I'm going to buy a cup car. Um, and it seems more and more people are interested in cup cars as well, especially in Australia. It seems like people are starting to look at them. And obviously because, like what you said, the price of road GT3 club sports have gone insane. You know, we're talking 300000 for a 996.1, 300000 Australian dollars. How do you justify it in, in your thought process when you buy a cup car? So I guess I went about it like this. Um, I do a little bit of vintage go-karting, and if I get that card out three or four times a year, I'm pretty happy with that. And I figured if I can get the cup car out three or four times a year and the card out the same – that's pretty much eight months of the year covered, which is probably about the good weather in terms of doing a track day. You're only out for a day or two in it for that period as well. So you've still got plenty of time for the young family. Yep. Um, buying a GT3 road car, A, you've got the, the expense of it now, but also the road rules are so restrictive that, you know, you're literally – breaking the law in second gear and you still got another four to go. So yeah, although they you know, they handle well, you're sort of stuck to, you know, 80 K speed limits through the hills. Um, so that, you know, diminishes some of the fun. And then when you take them out on the track, they're an expensive car that's not really insured to be on a track and it's still a road car. Whereas if you get a cup car, it's a great toy out on the track because it's what it's designed for. Yes. And okay, you can't drive it on the road, so you can't do cars and coffee with it. Yes. But you're also not restricted to, you know, 80 Ks either. Um, the, sh you know, small number of them built and the history of this particular car, you know, short of owning um, the Jim Richards cars, um, which are squirreled away in, you know, private collections and sold for some quite substantial money this year. Um, yeah, it's probably not a bad long-term way to get into another car like desirable car down the track yeah so you you, you purchased this from james at porsche Platz. how do you yep. what's the process you went through because you know james and you talk to him and you trust him but what is the process you need to go through to feel comfortable in buying this car what sort of questions do you ask james or does he james having all the knowledge that he does just basically just tells you everything about the car um again i probably sort of bought with my my heart and not my head. This seems to be a common occurrence for me, but I'd seen his posts on Instagram. I'd seen what's been done to it. Um, I asked him, you know, what work's been done, what needs to be done. He flicked through some invoices. So it's had a, you know, gearbox rebuild. It's got about an hour on this gearbox. The engine's still got a good life left on it. It's got good compression, etc. cetera. Um, you know, it came with some good spares. And I just went, well, that sounds good, James. I'm happy with what you're telling me. Um, you know, that checks out. Trying to get to Victoria and back at the moment is just out of the question. Um, yes. So, yeah, just trusted James and his reputation that uh, what he was telling me and what I was getting was going to be the same thing. Did you see this car when, when James had it on collecting cars? 
Yes, I saw it on there and put you a attempted? cheeky bit on there. No, I put a cheeky bit on there at the time, <laughs> okay. I guess, to get it rolling for him as well because it sort of sat on there. At, you know, someone had put like a five grand bit on it and hadn't yeah. really done much. Um, I didn't know exactly what James was after at the time, so I picked a figure that I thought was probably slightly less than it was worth um, but enough to get the ball rolling, so... Yeah. yeah, cup cars are – I don't know. I watched that auction and I think I might have chatted to James about it when when it didn't sell. But for me, I always thought cup cars were a lot more expensive. Um, like I said, we never disclose prices on, on the podcast unless you want it. But yeah. I always thought the prices of a cup car was still closer to the road car. Um, I was kind of surprised they were a little bit lower than I thought. Is that due to the the engine life or what they've gone through? Because it's like you said, it's got great history. It's a Fitzgerald racing car. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like you said, I think that's – Apart from a Jim Richards car, um, international viewers will ha- international listeners will have to re- go on Google and see who these people are. But compared to a Jim Richards car, it's kind of the one you want, right? I can't remember what Correct. Simon's Simon's one was. What was Simon's racing team? I can't remember. Uh, so his was the Glenford's car, which was run by Greg Murphy Racing. Oh, that's right, the blue one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, so yeah, ahead. I think cup cars, like all race cars, they sort of go through that cycle of they're expensive, brand new. And then they they get replaced by a different model, um, and you know we've got Porsche Challenge or the yeah Porsche Cup Challenge now. So uh, once they're replaced, they've got a feeder series they can go into. But then after that, they sit in that uh, state of not being eligible for you know historic racing, yeah. and they just become club cars. So they tend to get cheap. People buy them, run them on a bit of a shoestring budget you know, then realize it needs an engine rebuild or a gearbox rebuild. Um, and that's, you know, three quarters of the cost of the, what they paid for the car. And then they sort of quit it off to someone else or it gets stuck in a shed. Um, and then eventually the prices will come back up as they become eligible for historic or if they've got a good history to them. I think at one point I remember 996 cups being around, you know, the sort of $40,000 mark when right. there was literally nothing for them and they were probably long in the tooth and hadn't had much money spent on them by then. Yeah. So tell me that feeling, Xander. You bought the car off James. Yep. It's, you know, you told me this just before I, I went, you know, before I went to Dubai and you were saying that you were getting a car delivered. What was it like when that truck turned up at your, um, at your house? With, with your cup car that you remember, these cars you remember racing when you were a kid, what was what was the feeling? It must have been surreal, was, honestly. Yeah, it was pretty surreal. Um, one of my best friends said he was going to come over and talk me into organizing a, uh, a bit of a camera crew to record the moment because <laughs> yeah. he's like, oh, all the stuff we never did when, you know, you built the 912, yeah. you know, haven't really got heaps of behind-the-scenes footage or anything. So got a little camera crew just to come and film the moment. And, you know, my two young boys are out the front. Um, Must have been great Massively excited. Yeah, I think they're more excited about the truck <laughs> than the car because that's what, you know, toddlers love. But, yeah, they, you know, they're happy. They're pointing. You know, the roller door comes up on the truck and there's this, you know, bright yellow uh, cup car just sitting there. So, yeah, it was exciting. You know, I hopped in it um, while they pushed it off the trailer and then How fired the it up. and. How did it feel in the driver's seat? It must have been, you know, with that stripped out and everything. Yeah, it was. It was. I great. mean, I've seen the video on YouTube. Yeah, it it's great. You know, you're you're sitting in uh, you're sitting in there nice and tight, um, and just the sound of that engine, just yeah, 
and the vibration through the through the cockpit. It was great. It would have been fantastic to have sort of been able to take it for a drive other than in five yeah. meters up into the driveway. Um, but yeah, it was very exciting. So how it's, loud is it? How loud um, is it? It's funny because it's probably not too loud when it's idling. But okay. uh, yeah, when you when you floor it, it's uh, it's fairly loud. It's got that typical Mezga scream to it. Yeah. Do you have close neighbors? The neighbors close to your house? Yeah, they're all close to the house. Um, <laughs> and we sort of, we, yeah, we average out the, uh, we'll probably yeah, take the average age and divide it by two because we're probably the youngest people <laughs> on <really>? our street. <laughs> um, but luckily our neighbors so they don't are pretty, understand what's going on. No, they don't really understand what's going on, but they're used to me having cars. So they're pretty cool with it. Yeah. Okay. So you've got your, you've got your, uh, your cop car. Uh, yep. What year was it again? I forget. What did you say? Oh, Two, three. Oh, three. Yeah, oh, three cup car. First, yeah, first year of Carrera Cup in Australia. James has, you know, brought it back to its life. He's put all the new liver, the, the Fitzgerald livery back on it. Um, what do you, what are you going to do to it? What are you planning to do? Before the drive, but what do you, is there anything you want to just tweak? Is there anything you want to add? Is um, there anything missing yeah. from the period? Is there anything missing from the car that's been removed that you want to put back in? No, no, it's really good. James has done a great job of um, sourcing all the bits and pieces and making it, uh, you know, correct. Uh, luckily, someone saw a wanted ad I put on Facebook about if anyone's got any stuff from that era. And uh, one of Fitzy's employees reached out to me. So I've got one of his driving suits, uh, oh, a couple fantastic. of shirts. Really? Yeah. So that's, yeah, it's really good. So I was happy to add that. The setup, some of the setup stuff, um, like, you know, tire pressures and uh, damper settings for certain tracks over the years. Um, oh, there was great. even a new kid sized t shirt in there. So uh, my eldest absolutely loves the fact he's got a t shirt with his cup car on it, as he keeps telling me. That's great. So, That's great. You got the suit. Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. So, yep. you know, as you just said, you, you sat in it, it's in your driveway. Yep. The yep. drive, when is it going? When, what? And you've got great tracks around Adelaide, right? You've got great places to take it to or close by, right? So what is I the do. plan? What is the plan, Xander? You must be waiting for the day. I haven't picked a date yet, um, surprisingly. So I'm sort of waiting for Simon to have his car. Uh, he's doing a few little things on his car to have his sorted. And I'm either going to go out with both of them or at least go out with him, watch what he does during the day, the things he checks out on the car and how he – yeah how he keeps it under all going. So I might do that. Um, so yeah, I haven't set a date yet, but I need to. Oh, you um, do need to. <laughs> definitely, I do need to. And definitely yeah, get a film, I, definitely get someone to film that though, to video that for exactly. you. Exactly. You know, especially if you've got Simon's car as well and yours together. Um, exactly. You need one more. Is there another friend that's looking at buying a cup car? Well, a friend of mine, um, Stuart Kay, who's got the first 911 that was sold in Australia. Um, oh, really? He's got, yeah, he's got Peter Fitzgerald's Nations Cup car, so the Falcon one. So that was a road-registered GT3. Okay. So, again, the first one delivered in Australia. Him and Jim Richards got theirs on the same day, but Fitzy got to the rego office before Jim. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The competitive so, spirit. Racers, always spirit. a racer. Yeah. So Stu's just... Um, like the car, obviously, being a race car has sort of been tweaked over its life. So he's taking a few bits and pieces out of it, back, back to more of its Nations Cup uh, setup so he can get road reg in South Australia. And depending on when Jam finishes um, Stephen's car, there may be an opportunity to 
get either my cup and Stephen's car out at the bend at the same time for some laps together. Oh, or, fantastic! Um, yeah, you've got my it. car you've and the it. other Fitzy car. So yeah, we're trying to trying to align all the moons. <laughs> you got to document that. That's for sure. Yeah, I spoke to Stephen um, earlier actually, and he said because I hadn't spoken to him in a while, he said his cars. He's looking at November or something for it to be finished. Yeah, hopefully, correct. No, hopefully November. The parts are yep. the parts are in shipment or whatever, something like that. Yeah. Um. So, what about driving experience? Have you done track days before? Are you are you someone that's done track days in other cars? Are you going to prepare yourself for that? Because I've seen, and I want to tell the listeners, there is a video, and I can't remember, oh, it's Outlaw Garage, isn't it? There's a video on YouTube that yep. James is with, I don't know the guy's YouTube channel, it's Outlaw Garage uh, something. Yeah, Out- Scott, yep. Yeah, and there's, if you do a search for it, there's James, he takes, uh, Scott is it? He takes him out and he's in, in the cup car, which is Xander's car now, and you should watch that. So what do you, how are you going to prepare yourself for the drive? Do you have that sort of driving experience? Because I'd be a little bit scared about it, I have to say. I'd be After seeing that video, I'd be a little bit, you know, because James knows what he's doing. Yeah, correct. Um, I'm probably a little bit scared of it, I guess, because of, you know, the amount of money I've got invested in it. Um, <laughs> my go-karting skills aren't too bad. Um, and I've done a few hill climbs uh, over the years, but in terms of, yeah, driving that out on a track for the very first time, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to take it careful. Um, a good mate of mine luckily has the bend on his simulator, oh, okay. so yeah, he's actually made a model of the car uh, with the stickers and everything on his sim. So I'll oh, be able cool. to practice in yeah in my car oh, <laughs> on that's his great. sim. That's great. That's so at great. least I can yeah at least I've done a few laps of the bend, so yeah, I can yeah. uh, I know the track pretty well. But in terms of driving. Uh, that car at pace around it. No, it's going to be a, a new experience. So, but but like you said, yeah. your go karting experience that will that will help immensely. You know what I mean? Because you know yeah. the you know the, the 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 lines to take. You know how it all yep. works. You know, so that's that's going to be a big help. A big help. So yep. I want to go back to you know like I'm really I, I'm actually for me I, I'd find it very hard to convince my wife that I needed a cup car. You know what I mean? So I I, I think that side of it as well because it's like it's not a daily. So you no, don't have, I, have <laughs> I don't know how you did that. I have a loving and forgiving lo- uh, <laughs> wife. I think I probably told her after I'd bought it as well, which um, really? probably helped. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, you're a brave man. That's all I can say. I'm, I am brave, but yeah. <laughs> so you've got the cup car. Are you thinking now, I still need a Porsche for the road? Because I don't know what your, your daily is, right? But do you need a Porsche for the road? Do you still need that Porsche for the cars and coffee? Because we always talk about this, this this obsession that we all have that we can't stop looking. You probably just got yeah. the cup car and you're probably back on car sales or back on the forums looking for something else. <laughs> no, I do need – well, we do have another cars and coffee car. Uh, so I've always been a bit of a Mercedes guy. So we've got a very early 90s um, – 180e if it's you know two owner car low k's slightly lowered nice set of bbs wheels on it so we can put all four of us in that um so that's our cars and coffee car now but i really think it's time to buy my wife a uh, an mgb that way okay. she can have her own classic car yeah so that'll be next on the agenda i think is finding an M- mgb for her before all the boomers buy them they're quite temperamental though aren't they mgbs Oh, I thought you might have made mention of my wife. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess they can be, but um, yeah, that'll be part of the fun. She can experience the the journey there. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. I saw the I saw the Merc actually on your um, Instagram. 
I saw the Merc on yep. Instagram. It looks good. I've actually got it open here. I can see it. It's, uh, it's got nice gold yeah. wheels. The one with the gold wheels, right? That's the one. Yeah, it looks cool. looks very, very cool. Um, yeah. So, Boys Own Garage, does this mean you're going to have more parts for cup cars now? You're going to have some – are you going to do a, a, a cup T-shirt because now you've got this? I noticed you've got the hats on, the, on, your, um, in, on your website or on your Instagram. I saw them on your Instagram, sorry. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We'll have to see if I do do anything for cup cars. Yeah. Watch this space, I guess. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what about um, when you had the 912 before you yep. had the head start, head start problem? Um, what, yep. what are the roads? People come – I always like to finish the podcast with this, with this question um, because there's a lot of people who you know, are searching out good driving roads and Adelaide's got great driving roads. It's got great tracks. What are the roads you would recommend for someone to bring their 911 if they're in Adelaide or their sports car to and, and, and take it out for a drive? Yeah. It depends on where they want to end up. Um, there's you know, really good roads like Chainer Ponds, uh, Gorge Road. Um, the beauty of a lot of those is you can run them both ways, so uphill to begin with and then downhill on the way back. So most of these are iconic uh, classic Adelaide stages as well. Um, roads like Paris Creek Road or Corkscrew Road, um, up through Norton Summit, Piccadilly, Ashbourne. There's so many good roads, uh, you know, from tight twisties to sort of more flowing ones, uh, out heading out towards the back of the Barossa as well. So, yeah, we're really lucky um, down the coast, uh, sort of down south and then ending up in Victor Harbour through places like Yankalilla and Normanville. Yeah, there's some really, really good good roads. Yeah, I want to go to Adelaide. When I get back to um, Australia, I'm, I'm planning a few, putting some miles on my 997 and Adelaide's one of the places I, I would like to um, get down to, go to Melbourne and then go yep. to Adelaide. I think it would be a great thing yep. to do because I've heard so many good things. And I've never actually been to Adelaide. I know that's an awful thing to say, but I've never actually been there. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, so. Most people find it small um more of a you know a town than a city but uh it's good we used to call it the 20 minute city because you could cross it in 20 minutes um go from one side to the other my brother's been there a few times he said it's a really quite a pretty place uh he said it's yeah. a really nice place nice people so yep. steven's going to have your 912 your ex car he's yep. going to have it sorted he's a generous yep. guy steven's a nice guy um no doubt you're looking forward to having a drive in that car at some point, right? Because it's in Adelaide. It's getting fixed in Adelaide. So does that yeah. mean you get to go and, and drive it before Stephen gets a hold of it? I don't know if I'll drive it before <laughs> he does. Um, I know Stephen's listening. Yeah, yeah. No, I kept it registered and insured for him um, because I was like, well, look, you know, if you need to test drive it or anything, that's probably just going to make <laughs> life easy. But he's managed to get it registered um, in New South Wales now. So that's all sorted for him. But no, uh, I'd love a ride. You know, a drive would be nice. But uh, look, I'd just be happy with a ride. I just want to make sure he's happy with it and yeah. show him some good roads so that he can uh, give it a nice shakedown and uh, yeah experience Adelaide roads firsthand. But it's a good feeling, Xander, to see that on the road when it's on the road again, after all those years you put into it, even though it's not yep. yours anymore, it's still a good, you know, it's still your, it's, it's your, it's your passion project. You got it to where it was, you know, and you'll see it finished really, you know, com, you know, working yeah, and exactly. slightly tweaked from how you had it, but with the three, yep. 3.2, isn't it? Is Stephen putting a 3.2? Uh, I think he's gone to eight. Uh, with um, ITBs and injections. So yeah, yeah, which will be pretty cool. It's gone a similar direction to what I would have done 
uh, down the track if I'd done the engine. So, yeah, yeah, I'm really happy it's gone to Stephen and someone's, you know, taken it to, to part two, which is, yeah, give it the engine it really deserves. Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to when I can get back to Sydney and, and going for a drive with him actually when he's got it. I'm really looking yep. forward to seeing it, especially after speaking to you today. I think it, uh, it it's sort of full circle. It's good. I'm, I'm going to yeah, enjoy it. Yeah, no, it's good. Um, all right. We're at the end. We always do these for about an hour. Uh, our listeners are very busy people and they seem to have the attention span of one hour. Um, anything else you want to share to, with the listeners before we go, Xander? Uh, I guess, you know, I've been around cars for a long time now, probably a good 30 odd years of my life. And I think the Porsche community is probably one of the better ones I've been involved in, uh, you know, I spent some time in Jacksonville uh, in Florida okay. for work and bought some stuff off Craigslist, sort of did the did the Australian thing of, hey, let's look on Craigslist while, like I would on Gumtree and, you know, typed in Porsche and all this cool Brumos stuff came up oh, okay. and, you know, bought it off this guy. And it was really weird because in Australia, you go to someone's house and meet them. Like if someone said, I'll meet me in a Bunnings car park, you'd feel a bit weird about it where in america it's the other way around like no one meets at houses you've got to do it in a public place right uh, but the guy had been a long-term brumos employee and you know bought his stuff and then shared it on instagram i'm like hey look at this you know cool brumos stuff and then i get all these messages from people like oh that's cool you know what's your story and through it i met um a guy whose dad was the spare parts manager for i think it was almost 40 years wow so he was a he was a cop and then his best mate was a fiery so I've got, you know, no friends over there. I'm there for work. And these two guys have taken me under their wings. And, okay. you know, the next minute I'm driving their Porsches and catching up with Magnus Walker in, you know, downtown Jacksonville and going oh, really? to Amelia Island Concours. Yeah, it was just oh, cool. amazing. You know, these guys didn't know me from a bar of soap. But yeah. after sharing an Instagram story and spending five minutes with them, they're people I talk to on a regular basis. And, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's such a good community. Very like-minded people. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's a great, it's a great, you know, I love being a part of it. This podcast has put me in touch with so many, so many interesting yeah, and great. great people and friendly people, you know, that, uh, that I'm talking to all the time now. How is Mr. Mr. Walker with his, uh, what was he driving? He, what did he rock up in? He rocked up in one of the Brumos B59s, I think, which was a special edition um, that they did. And he was cool. Um, a lot of people sort of say, oh, he's played out and he's a bit of yeah. a one-trick pony. But he is just a genuine guy who will happily talk to you about a, you know, an automatic 924 and he'll explain what he likes about him and, you know, you can do this. And he's just generally interested and has a fairly wicked sense of humor, which doesn't seem to come across in some of his stuff. Um, yeah. He's got some really good jokes. Um, but, yeah, no, really good guy and very down-to-earth. Yeah, I like so, him. I yeah. like him. I mean, look at that yep. collection. Look at that collection that keeps on getting bigger. He keeps adding to it. GT2s. And yeah, and it's amazing in the respect that he has some very tidy, standard, sort of pristine matching number cars. Yes. And then he'll go and buy another one and do what he wants to do with it because that's what he likes about it. So yeah, he's cool. selective, isn't he? He does. He, he yeah. always talks about that. You know, I know the things that I can hot, hot rod or change and then the things that I should just keep. You know what I mean? Yep. And he might just put his sticker on the side and that's it, but he doesn't touch it yep. because he knows the value Correct. of it and he knows the importance of it. You know what I mean? The heritage yep. of it. So you've got to respect him for that. And he's been buying for so long that he bought some of those cars at next to nothing, right? When he was buying all the yep. turbos and 930 turbos and, you know, 
And he's got a 65, he hasn't he? And he enjoys them. Yeah, he's got he the does, 65, yeah. yeah. That's right. Like he's got, yeah. he's got, you know, it's our dream, isn't it, really? It's our dream to have a garage like that. Definitely. Sander, it's been really good talking to you. You too, Michael. Thank you. Thank fun. you. Um, I'm going to tell everyone to make sure they go to your Instagram. And your Instagram is at boys underscore own underscore garage. So go and uh, check out Sander's Instagram there. Give him a follow. Tell him you heard his story on Owner Stories. What about those hats? Can people buy the hats from you? How do they go about doing that? Certainly. If anyone's interested in a, a hat or a T-shirt, uh, drop me a message on Instagram or uh, on Facebook. And uh, yeah, more than happy to sort something out. Got some stickers as well. So yeah, Fantastic. there's always cool stuff popping up there. So yeah. Facebook is the same, right? Boys on Garage. You do a search for that. It'll Correct. come up straight away. Yep. Most of the stuff's on Instagram. Excellent. Excellent. Yep. All right, Xander. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. Um, and hopefully one day uh, I might even get to see that Fitzgerald racing car. Um, I was hoping to go to Melbourne and see it in Melbourne with James, but now James has got it. I'm, I'm definitely going to have to get to Adelaide, that's for sure. No, most welcome. There's always uh, coffee or uh, snacks in the uh, in the garage. And, uh, yeah, the wing on the back of the cup car is really good for, uh, yeah, putting coffees and pastries on. <laughs> I would just tell – yeah, I was just tell the <laughs> listeners that actually. When I was in Dubai, Xander sends me the image saying, you know, am I still ready for the fifth? And he had his wing and he had his coffee on his Fitzgerald racing car. So there it was like there was a story. That's the story. Um, it's great, though. I love how it's this connection, though, Xander. You know what I mean? Like you've got you know yep. Simon, who is a great guy. I really enjoyed talking to him in Adelaide, your friend. And then James at Porsche Platz. And then you and this connection with all these cars. And then Stephen with the 912 in Sydney, who I, you know, I talk to quite regularly. Um, it's just great. Like you said, it's a, it's a it great is. community. It really is a great community, um, locally Definitely. and globally, you know, with all the contacts we've made, like you said, with the Brumos stuff and, and all the people in the US that you met. Um, it's just fantastic. All right, Xander, thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. All right, everyone, uh, that's Xander coming in from Adelaide in Australia with his GT3 Cup car, X Fitzgerald, well, Fitzgerald Racing Cup car, the yellow one. Very, very cool. And that's about it. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Bye for now.